Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Cool Sports Network. I am your host, Chase Coburn, and today I am joined by a very special guest, a reporter for the Ravens and Orioles on WBAO Radio, Valerie Preakter. Valerie, welcome to the show. What's up, Chase? So good to talk with you. Yes, I'm so glad you were able to come on. Why don't we really start off? When did you realize you wanted to get into broadcasting? And once you did, what did you really do to pursue that passion and make it a reality? Wow. So I really started understanding that I could go into the sports broadcasting field when I started in college. So I didn't really know until then, um, which I feel like is on the later side uh, for most of you guys that I met at sports broadcasting camps. You guys are way ahead of the game, especially from where I was. But as soon as I realized that I played sports and I did really love watching sports with my dad, the Ravens, the Orioles, I grew up uh, here in Baltimore. So when I went to school at George Mason, I was able to see that they had a student media group and they were broadcasting softball games. And I played softball. And so I was like, wait, I, I know that. I can definitely talk about that. And I am really good writing. So I loved creative writing. And um, I think that kind of propelled me to look into something like this. And I got immediately in touch with uh, the guys that were running the student media um, over there. And they told me that I should be a sideline reporter. And so we jumped right into that. And they taught me how to do a stand up in front of a microphone and how to write uh, in really broadcast language because it's you got to be quick and uh, try to get the point across. And I really enjoyed doing interviews with the coaches there. And the perspective of being on the sideline is so cool. And I learned about all different sports. And I did soccer, volleyball, softball. Um, So it just spanned uh, so incredibly much. And then it kind of grew from there where I was able to come back home and get the opportunity to work for the Ravens and the Orioles. Yes, that is amazing. You've had many roles in your career. Kind of break down all the roles that you have had and what exactly you've done along the way. Yeah. So when I started at school at George Mason, it was on the A10 network. And then that was ultimately transferred over to ESPN Plus. So luckily, I was really on ESPN Plus doing sideline reporting for men and women's soccer, for men and women's volleyball. And then we got into um, softball. And we didn't have a a football team. And I wasn't able to do the baseball team because they had a super strict coach. So I kind of stuck with those. And then also lacrosse, uh, women's lacrosse. So I ultimately did sideline for every single one of those games. And then also when we kind of went into the pandemic, we were doing games from just like this, from our laptops, from home, I was able to step into more of that color commentator role uh, for most of those sports and then ultimately get into the play-by-play chair for softball. And I was so lucky to do the A-10 championships at George Mason on ESPN Plus. And I hosted that for the entire championship weekend. And we had a full women's booth. I was the play-by-play. I had two color commentators with me. And it was such a fantastic experience. And that was my college uh, in sports, really. I did almost everything there. Really worked closely with the athletics department. And then when I graduated in 2021 from George Mason, I moved back home to Baltimore and ended up getting a job at 98 Rock Radio, uh, which is in Baltimore, and they were the home for the Ravens at the time. And I was just working behind the scenes in total in the programming department. So I was logging promos, I was putting songs in because they're a rock station. And then I 
also just created my own role at that point and started adding more to my plate. So then I was working in promotions and I was going to opening day and doing social media and running their Instagram and their Facebooks and doing posts for them. And then they had, they signed uh, the contract with the Orioles when I first started there. And so I started writing Orioles articles every week or so about the team. And that's was in 2022 when they really started uh, to thrive when Adley Rutschman came into the picture. So yep. that was so exciting. And I kind of got to do all of that on my own, on my own time. And then uh, again, timing just works in really mysterious ways. I got super lucky that uh, the sports reporter that they had had for the last three years ended up leaving. And so I kind of jumped right in there and told my program director uh, there that I could do that. And I said, please let me know if you want me to step in and fill in for the sports reporter in the morning. And I went through a bunch of different air checks and they threw me on after months of, of persuading and they were really impressed uh, with what I could do. And I said, you know, I did sports reporting for my entire college career. So I knew it very well. And I knew these teams, I knew the history. And so I think that was a really good factor um, that they liked about me. And then they offered me the job. So I've been doing the morning sports anchor for WBAL and 98 Rock for uh, over a year and a half now. Well, that's awesome. And you kind of mentioned how you started doing some work with the Orioles, right, as Adley Rutschman started to play. And if you really think about it, kind of the timeline of everything, you came to Baltimore and one of the highs in sports that it's been at a while, the Orioles just had to hunter what would see we'll talk about that later. The Ravens are the Ravens. We know what they're doing now. You kind of timed it perfectly, coincidentally, uh, you know, with all that. You've kind of been mentioning it, right? You grew up in Baltimore. I know you do. Um, I've heard you've gone to, you went to Oriole games all the time as a kid. How much did your roots with Baltimore, how much does that make you feel passionate about the teams? So much so. And it's almost so crazy because I try not to be a fan. I want to be so unbiased when talking about uh, and reporting on, on the teams because that's what I learned uh, when working at George Mason. We had to be so unbiased, even though we were covering Mason sports. And that was my team at the time. I was rooting for the players that I was in classes with and I wanted them to win. But uh, at the end of the day, the Ravens and the Orioles aren't gonna win every single game. So you still have to know enough about the opponent to talk about them in a pre pre-game or a post-game, which is the role that I'm also in yeah. now. Um, and so I think that it's so special and every fan base has this too, no matter what city you go to. Um, there's such a longevity and there's a history with each team. And you're right, I came to be covering these organizations at the perfect time. It couldn't be any better. And that's why I think timing is everything when you're talking about the sports industry, because I missed all of those seasons where the Orioles were really bad. Like I remember going to the games in 2014 when they last won the AL East. And I had gone to games kind of uh, sporadically throughout high school and college. But then of course in college, you know, I was away for four years. So I didn't even really yeah. see the beginning of like Lamar Jackson's career. I was so out of it doing sports at, in college. So jumping right into it and relearning all the new players that we had. And it wasn't Joe Flacco anymore. Like I remembered and it right. we didn't have, we didn't have Chris Davis anymore on the Orioles. You know, it was, it was just such a change of, you know, a changing of the guards for me um, as a reporter now to kind of dive back into it. And it it's been so special. And I think for, especially the Orioles, like I have such a connection with baseball because I played softball. I just love the game so much. And um, it's, it's been such a privilege to be in that clubhouse 
throughout this past season and the special moments that they have in there. And they just released um, a movie last night, which I got to watch, um, 101 Wins. You talked about it, but it just gives you such an inside look of, of these guys and the celebrations that they had inside the clubhouse. And that's so special. I mean, I can't take that for granted at all, but I do know that with this squad, hopefully we'll have many more of those celebrations to come. Champagne showers for everyone. So, um, yeah, it's been awesome. Absolutely. We're going to talk about the Orioles in a bit, but let's first talk about the Ravens right now. Obviously, I think everybody in Baltimore sports that's involved in Baltimore sports or likes sports in Baltimore or is a fan of the team, I think everybody, all they're thinking about right now is Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. The postseason is coming up. They have the first round by. And the Ravens have done this before, right? They've been a dominant team, but there seems to be something about this team that when I've been watching, that seems different than their other teams in the past. So I know you said you kind of missed the beginning of Lamar Jackson's career, but from kind of what you've seen and the other contending teams that the Ravens have had, why is this team different? Well, I talked about this throughout the week, too. When you look at Lamar Jackson and his past, like they're all referencing the position that they're in now is so similar to what it was in 2019 when it was Lamar Jackson's first full season as a starter. They had the first round by. They went to play the Tennessee Titans, and the rust got the best of them. That buy did not help them at all. We also saw that with the Orioles this year. So hopefully that's not a, a theme. Yeah, Baltimore's not done a great job with first-round buys as of late. Yeah, And it's so interesting because you go back and you look at how successful Joe Flacco was as a quarterback here and the fact that he never really played many home games in the playoffs, and that's why he ended up being so prominent on the road in the postseason. So for Lamar Jackson to have the luxury of playing at M&T Bank Stadium, you think would be helpful, uh, but so time will only tell. And I think now versus years past, Lamar and this new offense is so changed that Todd Munkin, the offensive coordinator who was picked up this offseason, has made a world of difference because – now you're seeing Lamar and all of these weapons that he has at his disposal that he did not have in years past. He finally has a number one wide receiver in Zay Flowers, a solid number two in OBJ, also Nelson Aguilar. He can't rule out Rashad Bateman. And having 95% of these guys have their health throughout the season, I know that we saw J.K. Dobbins go down. We saw Keaton Mitchell then go down. So you're down two running backs. And then Mark Andrews, hopefully you get him back at some point in the postseason, but you can't count on that. So I think for the Ravens also, they keep adding new players. And these are impact guys that we're seeing. They always have their finger on the pulse of what's going on around the league, bringing in Dalvin Cook. And we finally have seen him in practice throughout this week. And it's almost perfect that they have this buy because he gets prepared and he has two weeks now to work with this offense and really find his place. Um, and he's in the shape that he needs to be getting ready to play playoff football because he wasn't going to do that with the Jets. But that just shows you how important this postseason is in 2023, now 2024, for the Ravens. They are not messing around. They're bringing in – they're bringing out all the guns. They want to go full throttle with this team because, look, they have put down significant wins against prominent teams in oh, yeah. the 49ers, in Miami – it seems like they could run through a brick wall and be unfazed. And I think that's their plan. So they're they're going in, guns blazing, ready to go, and they're able to adapt to whatever they see. And I think the fact is Lamar Jackson's record against NFC teams is 20-1. and one. 
gives you a pretty good odds that going into the Super Bowl, it's going to be the AFC team. Yeah, I, I mean, if you win two home games, then you have Lamar against the NFC. Exactly. Oh, I mean, why should you bother? But, I mean, this team has just been incredible. I mean, watching them throughout, it's just terrific, um, you know, seeing what they are able to do. It all starts and ends with Lamar, though, right? We've seen the last two years he's gotten hurt. It starts and it ends with Lamar Jackson. So, kind of, I wanted to ask you, because you're a reporter, right? You're not just a fan like most of us who we can only see. We can't see the practices, right? We see the games. We see clips, the press conferences and all that. But as a reporter, what do you see about Lamar Jackson that makes him this good, that makes him that MVP-level player, and that I actually think is better than the previous versions of Lamar that we saw that were in the MVP conversation every single year? Yeah, gosh, he's so different this year. I mean, there's just an air about him. And I've talked to a bunch of different players, even this week, um, talking with Isaiah Likely, who's become his new Mark Andrews. And you look at you look at Lamar Jackson and you say, what has changed about him? What's different? And he went in to this year with a brand new contract that they signed on draft day, which was huge. And now he's like, okay, I have to be the leader. I'm the quarterback number one with the highest contract in this room besides Roquan Smith but I need to be the leader on the offense, not only through action, because he would always say that he leads by example, which is true, but he needs to be a vocal leader too. And we've definitely seen more of that this season, just among the offense. And I mentioned it before with Todd Munkin, his relationship with the coordinator and the way that they've been able to grow his skills, because we know Lamar Jackson as that running quarterback. He still leads the team in rushing yards, which is not common if you look at other teams. Brock Hardy doesn't do that. So when Lamar Jackson leads the team in rushing, but now he's also racking up those passing yards, that's what everybody was clamoring for. Everybody wanted to see the gunslinger that they knew Lamar had inside of him. And we finally have gotten to see that this year because he's worked with Todd Munkin. Greg Roman ran a very run-heavy offense. Todd Munkin's a little bit more balanced. He likes to use those tight ends. We saw that at Georgia. And so now with Lamar Jackson, you're seeing him extend those plays. That's what's catching people's eyes. If you remember back at the Jacksonville game, nobody will forget that play where he ducked three different defenders from the Jaguars and was able to connect with Isaiah Likely down the field. Not other quarterbacks can do that. You can't see that from other other quarterbacks. So that stood out to Chris Collinsworth. That stood out to every person on ESPN that was talking the next day after that Sunday night football game. And that showed them there. I mean, against the Jaguars team, that's really was supposed to be a really good team in in the AFC. But I think his performance there of being able to extend the plays because he wasn't doing that in 2019. He would look at the field of play. He would maybe get halfway through his check down and he would say, all right, it's on me. I got to go run this ball. And now it's taking him a little bit more time to develop. The offensive line gives him the time. He can see what's happening on the field do his check downs and it's like eight seconds are going by which is like an eternity in the nfl and he's still waiting to make sure somebody's open before he runs we're seeing him run a lot less which is great but we are seeing him utilize those offensive weapons like obj he makes a fantastic catch almost every game you can count on him for that yeah absolutely i mean lamar is just He's something else. I mean, he is unbelievable to watch. You can clearly tell he, he's been better better as a vocal leader. And, you know, he, he does all these things, leads his team in the number one seed. 
I guess he's not quarterbacky enough, though. I mean, just explain not quite what sure. that means to me. Can you explain what that where that phrase? I, I was actually about to ask you that question. I'm currently writing an article talking, proving Lamar Jackson down is wrong. I'm like, what does that mean? Is Christian McCaffrey not running backy because he catches the ball? I, I'm kind of confused. I don't know who came up with that phrase because at first it was, oh, Brock Purdy's a system quarterback. But now they're saying that Lamar Jackson's quarterback. He, I want to know the definition of what that means because yeah. everyone's saying now, you know, he's performed very not quarterbacky. So I want to see what, you know, what does that mean? I have no idea. I don't have an answer yeah. for you on that one. It stumped me. Yeah. You know, to me, five touchdowns and a perfect passer rating gets one of the best teams in the NFL on yeah. New Year's. To me, that's that's the kind of quarterbacky to me, but maybe, yeah. maybe that's just me. Um as a reporter, though, obviously the wild card round coming up this weekend, the Ravens will be able to get their rest again. We'll see kind of how the bye plays out. I'm, I'm knocking all wood that the same result doesn't happen now. But, I mean, there are you have two teams in your own division. You have the rating champs. You have a blazing Dolphins team. There are a lot of tough teams the Baltimore is going to have to possibly get through in the AFC. Which team do you think matches up best against Baltimore and could possibly be the team that Baltimore should be afraid of? I think it's good news that the four teams that they could possibly face they've seen all of them this year already besides the bills and the chiefs which i don't think that they would face this round after the super wild card weekend i've been hearing it's the texans the dolphins the steelers maybe the browns yeah, or the, the browns possibly the browns yeah i think okay. if the uh, if the bills and chiefs both win the browns win yeah the browns play so selfishly, I think it would be really cool to see the Browns come to Baltimore and have Joe Flacco because what an incredible, if that happens, and I said this in the locker room yesterday, I said, if that happens, the script writers, it's official. Like they are writing this up. As well, I mean, I, I'm actually kind of afraid of that. Like you were just mentioning Joe Flacco on the road in the playoffs. That scares me. And that's my point. I, I do believe that that is a stat that can be haunting. Um, and so I think the idea of it is great. Um, the storylines would be exploding, but uh, it would mean a little bit of trouble for Lamar Jackson. Um, but at the same time, that's the time for him to prove himself. Like we said before, they haven't played well at home when they've had this position, the number one seed. So this is the time and this is the year for the Ravens to prove that wrong. And they've been doing that all season long by being the underdogs. And that's continuing to be their mindset they love being counted out. And I do think that that benefits them. We saw it, look, we saw it even outside of the NFL. When you look at the college football national championship, I love watching uh, Pat McAfee and college game day. And he said, look, I haven't picked, uh, I haven't picked Michigan all season, so I'm not going to do it. And guess what? They won. So you kind of got to bet events the guys that want to win, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Again, this team is just absolutely incredible. Personally to me, I know this sounds crazy and it probably won't happen. If the Steelers somehow beat the Bills, I don't want to see them either. Lamar hasn't beat the Steelers in a dog's age. It's, it's been a long time. And I'm actually, to be honest, anybody outside of the division, I'm fine. Like, there's a reason why, to me, Lamar is, what was it, you said 20-1 and one against NFC teams. Yeah. It's because the style is so unconventional and different. It's like, how are you supposed to game plan for that? Three of the Ravens' four losses this year have come to the AFC North. So if it's not the Browns or the Steelers, I, I kind of feel a little more comfortable. I'm totally with you. Yeah, continuing on that, I wouldn't want to see the Steelers either. And because last year we saw the Ravens face the Bengals twice in a row, that could be the same scenario that you're talking about there if they face Pittsburgh. I wouldn't want to see that either. Uh, but that being said, 
I don't really want to see the Bills right now. It seems like they're getting hot. I do think that the Chiefs are beatable since this is the first time that they're playing on the road in the playoffs. So that could stand for something. But also, uh, I, I just think that Miami could surprise everybody this weekend uh, against the Chiefs, even though it's supposed to be like negative 30 over there in, in Arrowhead. Um, and then there's Houston, who they're the total rebel out of this entire uh, conference, which nobody thought they'd be here. And Lamar Jackson has even said they were lucky to face C.J. Stroud the very first week of the NFL season because if they face him now, it could be a little dangerous. And I think he's right. Yeah, I think he's 100% right. It will be very interesting. I'm looking forward to the wild card round. You mentioned the Dolphins, by the way. I've kind of been on the on the team of the Dolphins aren't as good as people say. My bold prediction for this week is they do come into Arrowhead and they and they beat the Chiefs. I, I think that they're that they're ready to do that. But I mean, what are we doing? We've been waiting the the entire episode for this. Your pick. Are the Ravens holding the Lombardi trophy in what was it, four weeks? Sometime in February. Are they raising the Lombardi trophy? Yeah, I've been manifesting it um, a lot, I think, uh, to the players, too. I, I hate asking the question, but it's really all about what this team is made of and how they're going to get there. And I, I do believe that they have the best chance out of any team in the AFC right now to do it. And they have the best record in the league. And so that has to stand for something. Um, and I think that it's going to take a lot of grit. It's going to take a lot of guts. And it's going to take a lot of hard work. They're already halfway there. But look, it's two more wins, and they're in Vegas. So knock on wood, fingers crossed. Um, I mean, I'm rooting for the Ravens all the way. So we don't want a repeat of, of years past. Yeah, I mean, I think now Lamar with the passing system, I think the whole playoff issue was that they simply could not pass the ball and could not come back when they're down. The Ravens have proven to do both this year. You know, I'm feeling confident if they stay healthy. If Lamar wins that first game, kind of gets the monkey off his back, uh, I think I'm, I think we're all of us Ravens fans are going to be very happy. You mentioned kind of earlier, though, you got to be blazing, got to have guts. Like, I spoke to Justin Matabike, interviewed him a few weeks back, and he was talking about how, like, you know, they're the Ravens. Like, they're just going to come out. They're going to fight. I already mentioned how, like, not even a brick wall could stop them. Like, that's who they are. They love being the underdogs, and it seems like nothing could stop them at this point. So, as a Raven fan and as an NFL fan, and even as a as a as an aspiring reporter, I'm really looking forward to seeing how Lamar Jackson and the Ravens play and how they um and if they can finally capture that Lombardi Trophy in the postseason. Real quick, I do have a question for you on baseball because yes, it's a huge deal today. Actually, a ton of news: Mullins is coming back, Santander's coming back, but we know this Orioles team is special. 101 wins last season. The playoffs did not quite go their way, but we know that Jackson Holiday probably coming up, possibly even opening day this coming year, a whole other year of Grayson Rodriguez. You obviously have Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson. This is what they do. Like, I expect a great future for Baltimore baseball, but what about you? Like, over the next five to ten years, what do you think summers in Baltimore are going to be like? Oh, man, I think they are going to be so electric at Camden Yards. I can't wait. The, the postseason was so special to have that here in Baltimore for the first time in so many years. Like, I remember them winning the AL East in, in 2014, but I I don't remember that playoff atmosphere and because we had been robbed of it for so long. I mean, the, they were they were having such bad seasons, and then we had the pandemic, so nobody was there, and then it felt like nobody wanted to go back to Camden Yards. Nobody wanted to sit through baseball games anymore. And we finally got 
the rules where the pitch clock made shorter games. And so people were starting to slowly creep out of the house and say, okay, I'll go to a baseball game. And so now, and it started last year with, with Adley Rutschman really in 2022, almost two years ago now, um, when he debuted, I'll never forget it. That was Preakness weekend. And uh, they were just on a roll and they've been since then, they haven't lost a regular season series with him since he's joined the Orioles 91 straight. Uh, I don't know how many other teams in MLB history have done that. I think they're up there at least in in first. Um, But look, it's so ironic about that, too, is that they get to the playoffs for the very first time. You finally get swept. (laughs) They do get swept. So the streak still continues. I like streaks. I like to keep those up. Uh, But I do think that the Orioles and Orioles fans are so pumped now that they are going to have a team that should be in the playoffs for you know the foreseeable future for however many seasons are coming uh for them and like you said their farm system still voted number one in the league i mean that's huge and you look at what mike elias the general manager has done for this team and it's really been drafting well that's something that baltimore teams do an incredible job with and you have to thank him and you've got to give so much credit to brandon hyde for turning this team around and continuing to stick with it and be the type of coach that players want to play for. And it is just so special. There's not a better word for it because there's such a good mix of young guys and veterans and they come together and they're so equal-minded and they play off of each other. And there's really such a good relationship in that clubhouse. It's so balanced. It's so refreshing. And they just have a totally different take on baseball that I don't think that this this team or this franchise has seen in a long time. Yes, I'm very excited for the future. And again, you are literally becoming a reporter in Baltimore at the perfect time. This is the perfect time to be a reporter in Baltimore. But I do have one final question for you, and I ask it to every reporter that I do interview. If you had to give one piece of advice on being an announcer, a reporter, and working in the, in the sports media world, what would it be and why? There's so many, Uh, but for me, it's preparation. I mean, the amount of preparation that you can put into your work will just make you feel so much better about your skills and your talent because it's there. You have the talent, you've done the work, and now you kind of just are comfortable with what you know, and you have everything in your back pocket. All of your prep is there with you. You have your stats, you have your your notes, um, and, and everything that you could possibly need going forward. That's been something that I preach ever since I started. I always wanted to be over-prepared for an interview, um, for, for a stand-up, for a pregame show, for a post-game show, whatever it may be. Um, always be over-prepared because that it, you'll just never be – you'll never feel better because the worst part is if you don't prepare enough, then – your confidence levels drop. So for me to keep the confidence up, I have to be on the top of my game at all the time, which is hard. Um, but I think having my prep with me is is the best part about it. I put so much time and so much work into my research and watching film for for Ravens games and then for for baseball. It's it's really just reading through the entire roster and getting to know those guys and their background and the coaches and and interviewing them and just listening to what they have to say and, and making those mental notes um, and personal notes too, that then I can go and reach again in my back pocket and, and have that information um, right at the tip of my fingers. So I think preparation is is the key when it comes to the sports industry, because a lot of people can pull 
total stats out of their head. And, and that's really hard. But when you listen and you absorb, it kind of just comes out and then you sound way better with it. <laughs> Valerie, thank you so much for coming on the show today for that piece of advice for everything. We really do appreciate it. And I think all of us Ravens fans are really looking forward to this postseason run and to finally see again, if we can capture that championship as well as the Orioles. Again, I think they'll be right there and we, we could be seeing a title town uh, in Sharp City. I cannot wait for it. Again, Valerie, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We really do appreciate it. Of course, Chase. Always happy to jump on and talk Orioles and Ravens. They're my birds. Yep, they are our birds. Thank you so much. All right, guys, signing off alongside Valerie Preakter. As always, I am your host, Chase Coburn. We will see you next time here on the Cool Sports Network.